Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. I tell you when you get a fucking water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is October 8th, 2019. We've got the film review for the Saints coming up. Lots of stuff to cover. Lots of stuff. But first off, I want to thank everybody for uh, sharing our podcast, getting it out there to everybody. If you would, just go ahead and hit that share button and send it to somewhere. I don't know. Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. Get it out there to other Buccaneer fans. Also, we've had a couple of bad star reviews on our iTunes, so if you're listening to it on iTunes, go ahead and give us a good star review if you if you like our mess. Uh, apparently, we got some people aggravated by talking about Jenna Lane and the media. <laughs> they didn't like that a whole lot. So okay. we got some. We got some. Well, we're not for everybody. It's just that's true. That. Really, yeah. Of all things, that's what people are going to gripe about. Yeah, one dude was all upset that we talked bad about Jenna Lane. He was white knight up in there. I wonder if it's the same one that said something on Twitter. Pretty sure. Way back when. Yeah. So got the film review done. Took all day. It was a mess. Power went out. I had recorded for an hour and a half and the power went out and I lost everything. So I had to restart again. Power went out three times today. That was a pain. Were you actually recording the commentary? Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. Frequent save. (laughs) I I, I would save some and the power would go out and I'd have to open everything back up, turn the computers back on, open everything back up, get everything set right. And by the time I do that, power would go back off again. But You persevered. I, you got it done. I persevered, got it done. I've got four pages of notes here, front and back. <laughs> A lot to talk about here. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be because I think I'll be able to sum it all up relatively quickly. Now, we've talked about in the podcast how you watch the broadcast, you get an impression of the game, then you watch the all 22, the coaches film, you get a totally different impression of the game. You can see more of what happened. Now, we said in the instant reaction, uh, basically, we got torched. We got beat by the better team. We got beat by the better team. Uh, The secondary didn't play that well. Thomas got a bunch of yards on us. Our offensive line didn't play well. Their defensive line did play well. Our defensive line didn't do much. Their offensive line played well. Yes, that sounds about right. Anything else? The refs suck. Yes. That is the big takeaway from this, watching the coaches film. We said, even without those bad calls by the refs or the non-calls or whatever, that we would have probably lost this game. I don't think so. Nine times the refs screwed us over. Nine. With non-calls or calling stuff they shouldn't have called. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> All of the above. Well, Here's what I don't understand. These referees just got extended for seven years. Their CBA, if you'll recall in 2012, they had to lock out the replacement refs, which I would argue are better than these refs. It's just as good. But that's neither here nor there. But what, what the, what their the CBA... CBA was set to expire in May of 2020, and they quietly signed an extension with the NFL at the end of September. Yeah, nobody talked about it. Nobody, nobody brought it up. Nobody talked about it. I don't know if they didn't know they weren't releasing it. They were doing it quietly. I don't know what happened, but it pisses me off because this stuff was known in the preseason. Everyone was talking about it. It happened last year in the NFC Championship. That's really when they started talking about it. So why they thought that was a good time to extend these idiots, I don't know. When they got their CBA in 2012 with the strike and you had the replacement refs, I said then this is very bad if we give if we relent to the refs on this because it gives them too much power. 
And as we've seen, they've got way too much power now. They They're totally, influencing games. They totally influence the games. And it's going to ruin the game. I mean, everybody, everybody saw that push off by Michael Thomas. Everybody saw it. Everybody, even the booth announcers, everybody on Twitter, even Saints fans have said, hey, y'all got screwed on that one. Yeah, we got screwed. And it went in a replay, and they still didn't overturn it. Now, Pat McCaffrey, he used to be the punter for the Indianapolis Colts. He's got a podcast and a show and all that good stuff. Very entertaining if you want to listen to some funny stuff. He's also a stand-up comedian. He says that the guy, Ron River... Alberto Riveron. Alberto Riveron is the guy in New York who does all the replay stuff. One guy. They have one guy doing it. And this Alberta Riveron does not agree that pass interference should be reviewable. He says it's a subjective call. A subjective call should not be reviewable. Now, apparently from Matt, Pat McCaffrey's opinion, Ron, Al Riveron is not overturning calls no matter how blatant they are. This there's could be some validity to this. You know, Al Riveron doesn't want pass interference to be reviewable, so he's just not going to overturn calls, no matter how blatant they are. And we've seen a rash of these reviews where you look at it and you go, oh yeah, that's definitely pass interference, and then they're not calling it. How can the NFL employ someone who refuses to enforce the rules when their job is to enforce the rules? Does the NFL not employ this guy? It would be like the Supreme Court or the judicial branch not enforcing laws written by Congress. You know, their job is to enforce the laws, uphold the law, not decide which laws are good and bad. That's not their job. So something needs to be done. And I'm going to do some research into exactly the process behind all these pass interference calls. Because one thing about any system, whether you like the rules or not, being able to understand the rules is vitally important for anybody to feel that justice has been served. (laughs) And unfortunately, right now, nobody understands the rules. Nobody knows what's pass interference. Nobody knows what's intentional grounding. Nobody knows what's roughing the quarterback. These these rules are just getting out of hand. And what safeguards do we have in place to make sure that these refs are not skewing? We've never had a scandal in the NFL that I'm aware of where refs have thrown games due to betting or whatever. But what safeguards do we have in place to make sure that doesn't happen? It looks to me like there are no safeguards. Because this is getting ridiculous. <clears throat> Anyhow, the ref screwed us nine times. Nine times. That's one of the highest I've ever graded in all my years of watching uh, film. I think we had an Atlanta game a couple years ago where we had 11. Can't remember, but it was somewhere up in there. But we had two times Michael Thomas pushed off and picked up big yardage. Twice. And they didn't call it. They didn't call it. Uh, the first one was the, the play on Hargreaves that we all saw. I think that was the first one. No, I'm sorry. The first one happened at 8.23 in the first quarter. Uh, Michael Thomas is going across the middle, and 33 is right with him. And Michael Thomas reaches out and pushes him on the hip and causes separation. Michael Thomas got a 34-yard pass on that one. Refs did not call it. They had two intentional groundings that they didn't call. Bridgewater, and I did a video, and I've got these in the video. It'll be out Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon. And I I show it in there with charts and diagrams and all that crap. Twice, he threw the ball outside the pocket as he was being sacked or tackled. And he throws the ball and it doesn't go back to the line of scrimmage. That is intentional grounding. Now, there was a ref right there both times. The ball almost hit the ref twice. And the guy didn't call it. Okay, so what's the rule when they're inside the pocket? 
If they're, What's the rule there? If they're being imminently going to be sacked. Inside uh, the pocket. Either way, inside the pocket or outside the pocket. If they are in the grasp of, the, of a defender or they're imminently going to be in the grasp of the defender, if they're outside the pocket, they have to at least throw it past the line of scrimmage. But if, if you're inside the pocket, you don't have to? No. If you're inside the pocket, all you have to do is throw it near an eligible receiver. And what the Saints normally do is they will report a lineman as eligible because Drew Brees likes to do this and he's so short he can't get it over the line. <laughs> so they report a, an offensive lineman as eligible. So if he has to do this, they can always argue that there was an eligible receiver in the vicinity. I have seen so many times, and Drew Brees is a master at it, if you want to call it that, where he will be grasped, he'll be almost to the ground, he'll be spinning around, and he'll just throw the ball right in the dirt. And they never call intentional grounding with him because of that, because there's always a running back he's near. he's short, he's tiny, yes. can't get it over the line. But it's intentional grounding. I mean, it's intentional. He's not trying to throw a pass. He's not trying to get it to the receiver. He's just throwing it in the dirt. We saw that with, I think it was Matt Ryan the other day where he was being sacked and just threw it right in the dirt. Wasn't nobody near. But then in the San Francisco game, we had Jameis getting sacked, and he throws the ball out of the end zone, and they call that intentional grounding. Right, which I've never seen him do that before. That one just pissed me off. And, of course, I've seen it happen 50 times since then without them calling intentional grounding. Look and see whether the refs get fined because someone – commented on Twitter that they do. We just don't hear about it. Yes, I'm going to do a whole research on this ref stuff. I've, I've had about enough of it. Okay, so we've had so far we've had two wide receiver push-offs, both of them Michael Thomas. That totaled almost 80 yards right there. I think it was 80 yards somewhere in that area. 76 yards. 76 yards on those two passes. 76 of their 300 and some yards that the Saints threw. Let's see, they had a total of... 345 passing yards. So, 74 of that was ref mistakes. Okay, then they had the two intentional grounding calls that were not called. I I don't understand that. The ref was right there. I mean, the ball literally almost hit him twice. (laughs) How he did not... Maybe he was eligible. (laughs) Well, the Saints fans do wear referee costumes to the stadium, so maybe he's part of their team. Then there was that punt fumble. Oh, yeah, where... The return guy drops it, clear fumble, and we had a recovery. All clear, recovers it in the pile, gets up, runs out with the ball, and they say there's no clear recovery. Well, they said that they blew the whistle because they said his forward progress had stopped before he fumbled. That turned out to be okay, wrong. Okay, that's bullshit. Right, it was total BS. Okay. They, the BA challenged it. He won that it was a fumble and it wasn't forward progress but because they blew the whistle they couldn't identify who got the ball they still charged ba a timeout for that which was total bullshit which is wrong because he won the challenge yeah technically right that, that's the thing it was just it was just insanity that, that he wins the challenge but yet they still charge him a timeout because we didn't get the ball he mentioned it in the press conference okay and then uh later in the game 644, I think it was the third quarter. I can't remember. I got it written down here somewhere. Might have been the fourth quarter. They get a sack. A guy comes running up the middle and sacks Jameis Winston. And he just runs right up. I mean, there's a huge hole. This was in the fourth quarter. There's a huge hole right up the middle. Well, you know how that hole got there? 93 grabs hold of Jensen and pulls him. Pulls him. 
You can't to create do that? that. No. As a defender? No, you cannot. He grabbed so right. So what's hold. the penalty? Is it a holding? It should have been holding. Defensive but I thought holding. that you can hold within five yards of the line of scrimmage. No, not at all. You're thinking of blocking the back. No. No, you can't. Defensive hold. holding. No. I thought it, you only call it if it's after five yards. But you're thinking of the wide receivers when they're yeah. bumping. No, this is this is on the line. 93. Like a holding call on an offensive lineman. Right. It's, it's a, it's a holding call on the defensive lineman. It would have been a five-yard penalty and automatic first down. But instead, it was a sack. I have never considered that that's the call on defensive holding. That it's like a lineman hold. We had one last week. Really? Uh, yeah. I guess I always assume when they call holding on the defense, it's well, a pass it was, coverage. Yeah, I want to say it was against Nacho last week. They called him for holding on the defensive line. I've been watching football 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and doing a podcast for 119 episodes. We're not qualified for this. So, yeah. so We can run our mouths as good as the next person. This is true. This is very true. So, yeah. So, 93 grabs hold of Jensen and yanks him, pulls him out of the way. Creating a huge open space. I think it was 53, runs straight up the middle and sacks Jameis Winston. And of course, Jensen turns around and he's just livid with the refs. He was like, hey, man, that guy just grabbed me and pulled me. Of course, the refs didn't see it. How they couldn't see it, I don't know because I saw it instantly. That when the when the ball snaps, they close their eyes. <laughs> Only thing I can think of. I'm a blink through this whole play. Then there was the uh, Carlton Davis ejection. Ah. Uh. That, that one infuriated me. Yes, that makes no sense. And again, you know, there's no standard for how they do these things. Now, yes, it should have been a penalty based on modern rules, but an ejection? No. Yeah, I don't understand the parameters for the ejection, and it doesn't really seem like there are any. And they, they didn't explain it at all. They didn't explain it at all. They just said he's ejected. Get him out of here. And he was a big part of our game plan. He's he's the best cornerback we have in coverage, and they removed that, and we had to put Bunting in in his place, a rookie. That hurt, it hurt us quite badly. Then, and this is one I just don't understand at all, again, I mean, this is basic referee in 101. Twice, number 67, Larry Warford for the New Orleans Saints, false started, and they never called it. How do you false start and not get called? On the offensive line. That's a weird one because a defense, a defensive lineman can do an offsides, but if they get back, they're fine. But the offensive lineman, they don't get that yeah, grace uh-huh. period, you know. Yeah, it, you can't move. Exactly. This guy moved quite extensively, twice. <laughs> no call. And one of them, I think it was Carl Nassib, was complaining to the refs again. You know, he was like, what are you doing? He was even doing the false start motion with his hands. And no call. We had that last week where... Carl Nassib got called for encroachment when actually it was the right guard at false starting. So that was nine times the ref screwed us over right there. That's a lot. And those are big, big plays. So I'm going to say that if the refs didn't screw us over those nine times, we would have been in this game. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Especially the turnover, keeping Carlton Davis in, in, removing those two push-off penalties by Michael Thomas for 74 yards. (laughs) <laughs> the false starts that should have been called. Jensen holding should have been called. I mean, that, that turned into a sack. That would have went from a negative nine yards to a positive five yards in a first down. And we just got hosed by these refs. Now, I'm not saying the refs are the only problem in the game. We did have problems. We gave up 345 yards, four touchdowns to Teddy Bridgewater. I don't mind the yardage so much. The touchdowns, that's what hurts you. 
Yeah, the a, actual point. Right. If they would have had <laughs> 345 yards and no touchdowns, that would have been right. awesome. Like the Rams. Exactly. Now, everybody's been complaining about the secondary. Just saying we just gave up way too many yardage. These guys couldn't cover anybody. Michael Thompson was open all the time, blah, blah, blah. And I've been a defender of the secondary. You know, I'm saying, no, these guys are playing good. The problem is our linebackers. Guess what? What? The problem was our linebackers, not our secondary. Oh. Yes. The linebackers gave up 125 yards on 11 passing plays. Ooh, ouch. Of the top 10 plays by yardage for the Saints, nine of them were passing plays. One of them was a rush, a run play. Now, the top two were the ref mistakes where they didn't call the pushing off. The next two was Kevin Minter. He is a liability he, in coverage. We've been talking about that since game three. Yes, he, he's he's a liability in coverage, especially with the Saints, apparently. Uh, he had four of the top ten longest yards play for the Saints. He gave up. Ouch. Yes. And then you add in the two ref mistakes. That's six of the top ten had nothing to do with our cornerbacks or our secondary. Now, I'm not saying that. The linebackers were the total problem, but they were the bigger problem. The cornerbacks gave up 144 yards on 23 passing plays. Uh, Hargreaves allowed three catches for 40 yards. Now that's minus the one by the ref. Hargreaves had a couple of screwed up plays, but everybody's going to have screwed up plays. Generally, I thought he played well. I think our secondary did play well. There was a there was an issue with communication. There were some busted coverages. And there was a couple of plays where New Orleans just did the right play. You know, we would fall back in zone and they would get somebody right on the seam or right in between the zones, exactly how you're supposed to do it. So, you know, those are your, you kind of go, eh, you got to hand it to the Saints for that one. Now, Teddy Bridgewater played a great game besides those two intentional groundings that weren't called. He played a great game. I mean, he didn't throw bad passes. He was on point. He made all the right decisions. He saw when receivers were open. He's a solid quarterback. Yeah, he's a very solid quarterback. Winston, eh, he didn't play that great. I mean, he was he was about average, I guess. I think the important distinction there is that he didn't screw it up for us. He didn't lose us the game. No, he didn't. Uh, he, he we, did. We've got a low bar here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say with this, the refs lost us the game. I'm, I'm going to stand by that. I mean, nine penalties that should have been called or were called and shouldn't have been, whatever. Nine, nine ref interferences or non-interferences that cost us the game. And then right behind that, I would put the linebackers, Minter in particular. But David had a few screw-ups, too. Is Devin White any better in coverage? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, there's a very small sample with him. I don't think that he's caught up to the speed of the game yet. No. No, I, I'm not really excited about seeing him back in yet, either. So, But then again... You know, with Minter's coverage abilities, Devin White might not be any better. Who knows? Or any worse. James did get happy feet a few times. Uh, he threw some bad passes. Both of the passes he threw, the out routes to Scotty Miller, were both bad passes. I think it's because Scotty Miller's so short. They were both about a foot over Scotty Miller. Oh, no. I wonder if it's just he's too fast, Scotty. He's too short. <laughs> not for, for those out routes. I don't know why we had him doing out routes. It's just silly. He's a guy that needs to blaze down the field. Uh the Saints played very well in the secondary. They stuck to our guys like glue. We had very open, very few open receivers. And they played with a lot of energy, man. The, the Saints team, both defense and offense, special teams, they played with a lot of energy. We looked flat. I mean, we looked like we didn't want to be there, like we were tired. We, and, you know, it could be possible with all the traveling we're doing, but 
Uh, we, we just had no gumption. Even when we would make a play, you wouldn't see guys jumping up and down, celebrating. Uh, there was one where Godwin scored a touchdown. It was in the fourth quarter. I think it was the last touchdown we scored. And uh, Evans was right beside him, and Evans just turned around and walked off. And Godwin just dropped the ball, and they walked off. It, it, everybody, everybody looked. The only person that played with any chispa, I guess is the word, would be Nacho. Uh, and Whitehead was still playing. You know, he was shooting in like a missile and everything, but he wasn't jumping up and down and excited like he was. Yeah, everybody was flat. Speaking of Whitehead, I was reading a Joe Bucks fan article today, and one of the fans in the comments said that Jordan Whitehead really needs to step it up. That's ridiculous. I know. It was one of those moments where you wish there's a reply button. <laughs> well, you know, you, you get a loss like this, and everybody's going to blame their favorite target. Yeah, and I've said this to you before. The fan base gets really angry, and I think it's a dude thing. That's how y'all process emotions. Yeah, we get mad at people. Whereas us ladies, we like to eat our feelings and <laughs> drink a little wine, eat some chocolate. And talk it over. Talk it out. Therapy sessions. Not you dudes. You're all pissed Monday. Yeah. Angry. So, yeah, everybody has blamed the secondary, and they blame the offensive line, which I'm going to say this. Probably going to piss people off. They didn't play bad. I... Tweeted that on Monday. Did you? I did. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, uh, Donovan Smith played great. He played great. Well, and the thing about the broadcast, which you've talked about before, you can't see the secondary. So, yes, Jameis got sacked six times, Mm -hmm. but we don't know whether it was because the receivers weren't open and he had to hold the ball. Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. We're going to go through all six sacks. Let's do this. Okay. (laughs) Four of them were the O line's fault. Oh, well, that doesn't help our case any. Uh, Four of them came in the fourth quarter. One came in the first quarter. Another one came in the second quarter, I believe. Let me see my notes here. Yes, one in the second quarter, one in the first quarter, four in the fourth quarter. Now, the one in the first quarter at 104, that was a coverage sack. So that means that all the receivers were covered. Yeah, Winston had, Winston had over three seconds back there. It was close to four seconds before he had to start scrambling. Uh, and the guy that was 94 was on 80. So they had their best pass rusher was trying to be blocked by O.J. Howard. Why? But O.J. Howard held him for over three seconds. Yeah, for like almost four seconds. So you can't blame the O-line for that one at all. Uh, Second quarter at 7.07, Donovan Smith got beat on this one, but it was a very, very strange play. They, The Saints blitzed both cornerbacks from the outside, one from the left, one from the right. And then they had three rushers from the line or three defensive linemen coming. Well, Domin Smith picked up his guy, and it looked like he went to pass him to Ali Marpet. Little did he know, Ali Marpet had jumped out to go and run and block one of the quarterbacks that was rushing in. So Domin Smith, it looked like he went to pass him, and then when he realized Marpet wasn't there, he just kept pushing him, but the guy was able to get around. I, I really wouldn't say it was Domin Smith's fault. Uh, was it just miscommunication? Like nobody understood what the play was supposed to be doing? I don't like, know. Like was Ali Marpet going out for a screen? No. Where he had just. No, he actually up. went behind Donovan Smith. It, it was immediately on the snap, too. Like, like he pulled? Yeah, it's like he pulled, but just around Donovan Smith. And he ran and caught the cornerback that was coming in. The other cornerback was blocked by the running back. So we had the blitz covered, but unfortunately Donovan Smith pushed his guy over to the side like he thought Marpet was going to be there. And then you could see him go, oh, crap, Marpet's not there. And he ended up pushing the guy further. 
But the guy kind of got around him and pressured Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston scrambled and ended up getting sacked. So you could say that was Donovan Smith's fault, but at the same time, you're like, eh, you know, was Marpet supposed to be there? I don't right. know. Yeah. It looked like Marpet immediately, I mean, he immediately jumped back to block that quarterback, which I've never seen that before. You know, I've never seen anybody. It sounds like a like a reverse stunt. An offensive stunt. Yeah. That's exactly what it looked like, too. Except Marpet was a little bit further. He, he came a little bit further out. He wasn't right on the line. And he, I mean, he, he knew that cornerback was coming, which was, you know, a good pickup by him, but he kind of left Donovan Smith hanging. Uh, and it's a shame on that one, too, because uh, Scotty Miller was open for a touchdown. Dang it. Yeah, he was blazing down the field. And he was wide open for a touchdown. But it was, it was strange on that play because Marpet, it looked like he knew the blitz was coming because, I mean, he immediately stepped out and behind Donovan Smith to block that cornerback coming in. And it looked like Smith, Started to go for the cornerback too. I, I don't know. It's very, it's very strange play. But the very strange thing about it was, if Marpet knew there was a blitz coming, they didn't have no checkdowns or hot routes on that play. So if they knew there was a blitz coming, why didn't they have a checkdown or a hot route? Very strange. Very strange. Yeah, Winston really didn't have much to do. I mean, he had to scramble pretty quickly. Okay, so there's those two. That was the first half. Offensive line played well. Kappa was the worst performing player on the uh, offensive line. He had a broken arm. Well, in the first quarter, he he gave up a couple of uh, – he got beat a couple of times. He knew he was going to have a broken arm. <laughs> but then when he got his hurt arm, he actually performed a little bit better after that, <laughs> I thought. It's the adrenaline, probably. Yeah. Uh, he broke his arm at nine minutes into the second quarter. Did you see it when he broke it? No, I didn't. I saw somebody had put a clip on Twitter, and I had seen it, but I didn't pay attention to it on the – all 22. But yeah, he went and got his arm like wrapped up. I don't know what he had on there, but it's like a, a temporary cast or something or one of those compression sleeves it looked like. But he was the worst performing one. And, and that's, you know, he, he didn't play terrible. But he did have a broken arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people giving Dotson a hard time. Dotson played well. He had like two or three bad plays and it was right around the time his hamstring started messing with him. Mm-hmm. So I think he just couldn't move that leg. Probably you saw him. He kept grabbing his leg after the play, like trying to massage it. And then when he went out, immediately Josh Wells allowed to sack. And that was uh, 94. Their best pass rusher. Their, yeah, Jordan. So you can't really. Can't, you have to go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So that the fourth quarter, we had 1031. Uh, Dotson gets beat. DeMar Dotson. Uh, the Saints blitz six. Jensen ended up double teaming with Marpet, leaving the middle open, and two guys run right up the middle. Ooh. Yeah, so you got Dotson got beat, and then two guys went right up the middle, and Winston had no chance. I mean, they were they were on top of him in like a minute, a sec, minute, second and a half. So that was definitely the offensive line there. Uh, 7.50 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Ali Marpet gets beat by 90, and that sucked because Michael Evans was open down the field. Michael Evans. I feel like that's probably what his mom calls him. Michael. He's Michael to me. Michael. Yeah, he was open down the field. And here's the thing. Winston could have thrown it. Winston had time to throw it. The guy didn't get to him before. And then Winston tucked the ball and ran with it. And he shouldn't have. I mean, he he should have just stepped around the guy or whatever. But even before the guy got there, Winston could have thrown it to Mike Evans, who was open down the field. 644 in fourth quarter. Uh, Jensen gets held. That's the one where he gets held and pushed aside. So you can't really say that's an O-line sack either. So well, well, let me rephrase that. We had three sacks were O-line sacks. One of them was Josh Wells. I think it was his first snap in the game. Gets beat by their number one pass rusher, Cameron Jordan. So yeah, Jensen gets held and pulled aside by 93. Uh, and then on that one, Jensen gets pulled out of the way. Uh, and 93 comes running up the middle. 
It wasn't 93 that pulled him. I can't remember who pulled him. It's on the video. 93 comes blazing up the middle, and poor Dario Gumbawale tries to block him. And this guy's running at full speed, and he had a head start. Dario got blowed up. Yeah, he ended up on his butt, and uh, 93. Were there footprints across him, I wonder? It's like a cartoon, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> well, I think his shoes were still sitting there where he got hit. Like smoke coming out of him. <laughs> he got, he got decleated on that one for sure. He tried, though. Yeah, 93 came barreling in full speed with a head start and just ran right over top of 44. So the old line played well. Donovan Smith played great game. He played a great game. He had that one issue there where, you know, and I'm still, I don't know whose fault that was. Uh, but he stayed with his defender the whole time, blocked him the whole time. I mean, D- Donovan Smith played very well, and it's weird saying that. I mean, you know, he's played great all year, and he's playing tough. He's playing mean. He's playing through the whistle. He's not loafing at all. That guy's out there earning his money. So the O line was not that big of an issue. And to me, it doesn't really bother me that they give up six sacks because look at what this pass rush did to Dallas's offensive line last week. Five sacks on Dak Prescott, and that's probably a top five offensive line that the Saints just manhandled. So for our above average offensive line, I don't really have a problem with them performing like that. Actually, I'm surprised that they performed as well as they did. (laughs) True, especially when you consider one of them had a broken arm, the other one had a hamstring issue, and then when he left, we had a uh, scrub scrub put in there. Hopefully Josh Wells will do good, because apparently he's going to be there for a while. We got Warford. Going yeah. in for right guard, going in for Kappa's position. Yeah, Dotson is definitely out for Sunday, and Kappa obviously has a broken arm. So that'll be a few weeks. I hope that eventually they'll just give him a cast. Yeah, they they'll can just, start clubbing people with it. Yeah, he'll, he'll miss the London game, and then he'll have the bye week, and he'll come back after that, I imagine. So if I had to, from what we talked about so far, if I had to put in order, so why we lost, it would be the refs, number one. Number two, linebackers and coverage. And when I say that, I want to, you know, I blame Minter for most of the linebacker and coverage, but it wasn't just Minter. It was all the linebackers had somewhat crappy coverage, but we did not blitz hardly at all. I didn't see a blitz until the second quarter, and then I only saw one. They blitzed a lot. We didn't blitz hardly at all. We dropped guys back into coverage, and we were playing some weird coverages. We were playing like a, uh, we play like a cover four with four underneath or you know a cover three with four underneath or cover three with three underneath it was very very strange we had our linebackers back in coverage a lot that means barrett dropped back in coverage a lot that's one of the reasons why he didn't get any stats this game because he was dropping back in coverage a lot way more than i would have liked and we and we we did not blitz and we didn't start blitzing until the second half and then it was all mainly linebacker blitzes so it sounds like that was our game plan then. right okay so that's what i meant to get to uh the, the number one problem was the refs number two problem was linebackers in coverage number three problem was the game plan on both sides of the ball it just didn't work and you can say number two and number one are a combination putting these linebackers into coverage like that all the time just it's just not working. Yeah, I would do maybe refs number one, number two, the game plan, and number two, A, linebackers were in coverage. Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So blaming the O-line and the secondary is not correct if you ask me. Now, the secondary did screw up. They had some bad plays. Uh, Hargreaves did get beat by Michael Thomas at one time for a touchdown where Hargreaves just got spun around and, and confused. looked like he didn't know where he was at, and Hargreaves just caught the ball and walked right in for a touchdown. 
At least I think it was a touchdown. Can't remember. It was near the touchdown. Uh, and then there was another time Michael Thomas caught the ball, and the cornerbacks, uh, 33 and 26, were right there. 33 hits him. It was a good hit. He just didn't wrap him up. And then 26 never touched him, and Michael Thomas just turned around after the shrug that hit off and then walked right into the end zone. Yeah, our tackling wasn't great. And, like, Kamara, he's pretty slippery. So when we were tackling him, you really have to wrap him up, him up and even sometimes that's not enough. He gets mm-hmm. through, especially ankle tackles. Yeah, the, Levante David had an ankle tackle on Kamara one time that he just got right out of. Kamara's just really good at staying on his feet yeah. and just waiting for you to kind of lose your balance or whatever so he can escape. Yeah, he's got great balance, Kamara does. Incredibly good balance. And here's something interesting, too, that kind of made me do a double take. Did you know the score was tied 10-10 to 10 with 37 seconds left in the second quarter? Yeah, and then they scored that touchdown right before the half. Yes. But the game just did not seem like it was ever that close. No, I thought, again, they were definitely the better team. And they, they were only within one touchdown, or only a touchdown ahead of us all the way till like the mid fourth quarter. So it was a it was a pretty close game actually. Considering. Considering. I think the final score really doesn't reflect how it went for us. And I think that's kind of a testament to what type of team we are that we didn't get blowed up. Last year if we had played a team like this, it would have been ugly. Not if we had Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Fitzmagic. That was a great game. Uh, but the, you know, they scored a lot of points and a lot of yardage. 40, in the, yeah. Or 41. Well, at that point, there was no film on us. I think we just came out and kind of sucker punched them because they weren't expecting it. Then later in the season, their second stringers whooped their ass. So I think with this game, if Winston would have played just a little bit better, we would have definitely been more competitive. It, it was just a little, a few things here and there. Uh, you know, he had some bad passes, uh, a, f- a few bad decisions. He didn't see a couple of open receivers. He got happy feet. You know, I mean, he didn't play a bad game, but it was, you know, kind of an average quarterback game. He needed to play above average, and he didn't. It's going to be interesting to see how Watford does in place of Kappa. Watford. 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 Watford, I think. Now, watching him in the preseason, I was like, meh. You know, wasn't too impressed with him, but we'll see in live action game day. Yeah, and getting first team reps, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Will he be matching up against your favorite player? Oh, gosh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Going up against Gerald McCoy. Ugh. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah, I think so, too. Ryan Jensen's going <laughs> to beat up on Gerald McCoy some more. That's probably what they're going to do. They're just going to have Ryan Jensen keep an eye on both the right guard and left and right tackle to help him out. Probably keep a running back back there, too. Tight end help. We do a lot of blocking with our tight ends. We have our tight ends on the field a lot, but they do a lot of blocking. They do more blocking than they do route running. Which, to me, is unfortunate because we have really good pass catching tight ends. I really want to see Tanner Hudson, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Bright on the field at the same time in a three tight end set. The defense wouldn't know what to do. Would not know what to do. Nobody would. Nobody's ever played three tight ends like that. We'll see if it ever comes to fruition. They've started doing two, right? The oh, yeah, they did, they did two all the time. Yeah. And they did three last game, scored a touchdown off of it. Uh, oh, Claire in there, right? Mm-hmm, yes. So, you know, the game wasn't the disaster we saw on the broadcast version. It was just a, a bunch of mess here and there. The refs really screwed us over. Uh, the linebackers have got to get better in coverage. Just knowing where they're supposed to go seems to be the problem. It's not like they're getting beat, per se. It's just that they're going to the wrong spots, or they're going to spots... Like, you could tell Kevin Minter a couple times. There was, there was one play. It was really weird. I, I have no idea what kind of defense it was. It looked like uh, Tampa 2, and 
they scored a touchdown on this, but Kevin Minter ran down the field probably 25 yards backpedaling. And you could tell he was told to get center hash marks, get in, get in the center of the hash marks and back up to this certain spot because that's exactly what he did. And he does this all the time. He runs to a certain spot and he stands there. You know, he's not really paying attention to what's going on, doesn't have situational awareness good enough to know that, hey, you can move off that spot if this guy's coming over this way or, you know, you need to hedge a little bit that way. So, anyhow, he goes, he backpedals about 25 yards down the field, stands in the center of the field, right in the middle of the hash mark. So you could tell, I mean, he's like looking down to make sure he's in the right spot. And uh, the receiver, Ted Jen, or Ted Ginn, he cuts across, and uh, Whitehead had gone over to help double with... Thomas and again gets in between Whitehead and Minter and Bridgewater throws the ball right to him. He walks in for a touchdown. If Minter would have just moved over five yards, which is funny because of the hash, the ball was on the left hash mark. I don't know why they told him to get in the center of the hash. I don't know. I don't know. But that's the thing. It seems like, you know, these guys are running to their spots or they're running to the wrong spots. You know, it's not that they're getting beaten coverage per se. That happens too. They're not actually covering is what is happening. Right. Yeah. They're, they're worried about where they're supposed to be standing. That's what it looks like. It looks like they're more concerned with where they're supposed to be than if they're actually supposed to accomplish what they're there for. So interesting, interesting game. But yeah, the game plan could have been a lot better. We did not blitz near as much as we should have. I didn't feel like, uh, you know, because that's, that's, you know, our defensive line is our best unit on our team, and they didn't do hardly anything. Uh, Barrett had a couple of plays all in the first quarter of the first half where he got around, beat his guy, and almost got to Bridgewater, missed him by inches. Uh, Sue had a, a few good plays where he was tossing guys around, stopping some runs. I could see you dialing back to Blitz because you're facing Drew Brees, who can get the ball off quickly. Mm-hmm. But Teddy Bridgewater isn't. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Drew Brees. He doesn't get the ball out that fast. But don't get me wrong. Teddy Bridgewater played a very good game, like we said in preseason. You know, if Drew Brees goes out, they've got two quarterbacks that can step in that are almost as good. I mean, those two quarterbacks are starting level quarterbacks anywhere else in the league. How did Taysom Hill do overall? Good. He matter was in of a fact, few times. Yes. Matter of fact, he he burned Hargreaves. One of Hargreaves' uh, bad defenses was because Taysom Hill. Looked him off. It was a really good play. Taysom Hill looked to the left. Michael Thomas ran to the right, and Hargreaves was right with him. Gave him a little too much cushion than I would like, but he was he was running right with him. And Hargreaves or uh, Taysom Hill looked to the left deep, like he was going to throw it deep left. And Thomas and Hargreaves were just kind of lollygagging over on the right, and uh, you could see all of a sudden Taysom Hill just snaps his head around and whips it. To Michael Thomas. And you actually see Hargreaves, you know, he's just kind of lollygagging along with it. And you see him go, oh, you know, like you can see his body <laughs> tense up when he realizes the ball's getting thrown over there. But yeah, Taysom Hill looked at looked everybody. It was it was really a nice play by Taysom Hill. Nice pass, too. I hate it. I hate that he's he's their third string quarterback. And they had some tricky plays, too, that that we got beat on. Uh, but yeah, it's just so coaching would be up there. We would say two, two A somewhere up there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. So it wasn't the O-line and it wasn't the secondary, which was kind of surprising to me. I was really expecting to see the O-line just being blown up because on the broadcast version, there was a couple times where you see Dotson on the ground. You saw Marpet on the ground. You saw Jensen with his helmet off laying <laughs> on the ground. You know, you're like, man, they're just beating the mess out of our offensive line. But not really. It wasn't that bad. Much better than I was expecting. Well, I hope in our next meeting in November, the coaching staff can reassess the game plan something happened i don't know what it was it might have even been the the ref calling 
that just drained all the energy out of the Buccaneers. I haven't seen them play like this all year long where they were just flat. Even after they make a tackle or a good play, they just get up and walk back slowly to the huddle or the, you know, it's just, there was no excitement, no energy. Whereas the Saints had all the energy in the world. I mean, they were jumping up and down and hooting and hollering and all that. It helps being in a stadium filled with your fans making a ton of noise. I imagine it does. Unfortunately, the Buccaneers don't know anything about that. Let's go to the games, fans. Fill that stadium up. Get loud. They're proud. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. We've got the Carolina Panthers. We're playing them 9.30 a.m. in London, week six. Molly's going to have the Know Your Enemy done Friday. So we'll have that podcast out Friday if you want to know how we're going to beat the Carolina Panthers. I'm just going to copy and paste last time. <laughs> it's only been like three weeks, so I think it'll still be relevant. Hey, you got a new quarterback now, though. That's true. And they've been winning. Ugh. A lot's happened, and this is so the NFL because – it's any given Sunday. Anything can happen through a season. 17 weeks, that's a long time. It's a long time. All kinds of crap can happen. I, you know, we've been talking on this podcast about how fortunate we've been for injuries. We haven't had any injuries. Now we've got two big ones on our offensive line. It was funny seeing their reaction to the offensive line right after the game and then cue the next day when we learned that we're losing two of our starters. And then yeah, everybody it, was like, oh, my no, God, no. no. <laughs> It's like, hey, you get what you ask for. Yeah, and it makes you appreciate who we do have. Yeah, I really do wish Winston would get more confident with his offensive line and not get the happy feet as much. He he got into this game too much than I would than I would like. I can understand maybe once or twice, but I think about three or four times he you know took the ball and, and scurried around when he didn't have to. I would prefer that to him throwing a bad pass against interception. He did that one time, but lucky for us, it was a there was a penalty on the defense for holding. He threw a flat-out interception. The refs were cheering for the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, trying to make up for some of that crap they didn't call earlier. All right, so uh, tune in Friday. You'll have the Know Your Enemy, Our Keys to Success, something like that. I don't know. You we think do. we're going to sweep the Panthers? Yeah, Dwight? I do. Me too. Well, you know, if we if we come in flat in London like this, and it's hard to go to London and have energy for both teams. And play 930 in the morning? I hate that I got to get up at 930 <laughs> just to watch it. I couldn't imagine going and playing. But our Bucks are going to do it, and they're going to uh, win. But we'll give our predictions. I'm going to watch some of the Panthers all 22 for the past couple weeks, see what they're doing different because they're winning. So obviously they're doing something different. I know what it is. You know what it is? I, ha- I have an idea. <laughs> what is it your idea? Kyle Allen. Yeah, not Cam Newton. Not Cam Newton. Kyle Allen can throw a ball, apparently. But not that Cam can't throw a ball. He just can't throw it accurately, which is a qualification. And his receivers can't catch it. McCaffrey's been chewing people up, apparently. Ain't going to happen with us. God, we had, we we pretty much, we did a good job containing Kamara, except for one play. And it was a busted play. We had him all day long. We read it. Everybody did perfect. He he went to the right side. Everybody went that way. And he was getting ready to be tackled, and then he just spun around and ran all the way to the left, outran everybody, ended up picking up, I think it was like 18, 26 yards, something like that. It was ridiculous. They were like, come on. If we would, if we would have stopped that play, they wouldn't have broke 100 yards rushing. Darn it. Yeah. Which we should have stopped that play. We had him dead to rights. He's a sneaky little bastard. He's very slippery. All right. Until uh, next time. Go Bucks.